This is the Walking Home from the ICU podcast. I'm Kelly Dayton, a nurse practitioner and ICU consultant. I help teams create awake and walking ICUs through evidence-based sedation and mobility practices. By hearing from survivors, clinicians, and researchers, we'll explore how to give ICU patients the best chance to walk out of the ICU and go home to survive and thrive. Welcome to the ICU Revolution. I'm here today with Meryl Nierman. He's an occupational therapist and a medical surgical ICU in Salt Lake City, Utah. And he is willing to share with us his role in getting patients straight home from the hospital after an ICU stay. Meryl, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little about your role in the ICU? So as an occupational therapist, we get the orders where the patients come in to uh, do the evaluation and then based on what the patient's able to do at the time, work with them to get them to their maximal functional level. Um, we do everything from simple range of motion to getting them up, walking them down to the shower room, having them take their own shower, getting dressed, standing, and do their grooming, uh, brushing teeth, washing hands, washing face. We do the whole thing. But this is an ICU, right? So a lot of people are really sick. So what is it right. like... Um, like you said, you do it according to what they can do. Mm-hmm. How does that vary? I mean, even when they're on mechanical ventilation, some of them in breathing machine, how do you work with them then? So we work very closely with physical therapy and respiratory therapy. We make sure all the lines are set, all the tubes are where they're supposed to be, and we get them up. And if they can tolerate standing, we'll do the first day, we'll see what they can do. If they can stand for 30 seconds while they wash their hands, Fantastic, that's a start. Next day we push for 45. Sometimes they go for a minute, two minutes. We'll see what they can do and kind of go from there. Um, Some people who can't do that. So we'll start doing something simple like brushing their hair while they're sitting up in the chair or on the side of the bed. Just trying to get them to do whatever they can do besides just laying in bed and staring out the window or at the ceiling. Trying to get them functional, get their brains moving as well as their extremities moving. And when someone comes into the ICU, obviously, if they're in critical condition, they're at death's door, why are these things important during that moment? Why not wait until things have cooled down, they're feeling better, they're more stable? Why not wait? Because as they lay there with the tubes and the intubation and everything, everything kind of goes downhill. The muscles atrophy, the brain kind of goes downhill, there's no stimulation, And they're not doing the things we're supposed to do every day. We're supposed to get up. We're supposed to get dressed. We're supposed to brush our teeth, brush our hair, put our shoes and socks on. And as they're laying in bed, that's taking away from their independence and their function. And from what I've seen in my 20 plus years of experience is that people want to get up. They want to move. They don't want to lay in bed. They want to do, even if it's something as simple as putting on socks or brushing their hair or whatever, that's something they want to do. And there's a sense of accomplishment. So they have this, oh, I, I, I sat up at the edge of bed and I brushed my hair today, where that might not be a big deal for some people. For them, it is. And they want to do more. They want to brush their hair again. They want to shampoo. They want to 
do something else, put a shirt on. Even with all the wires and tubes, we can still work around that with a gown and have them practice putting their arms in sleeves. It's just the fine motor coordination, the, the connection between the brain and the hands and the arms. It's just, it's fantastic to get people up and moving. Even on the breathing machine? Even on the breathing machine, absolutely. It helps stimulate the lungs, it increases cardiovascular, and it gets them moving, and um, it gets people off of the vent faster. So true. And I've seen, um, I've seen patients, and there was an iPad, you're doing cognitive therapy with them. Right. What is that for and what's that like? So we're working closely with speech therapy on cognition, and with the iPad, when people are vented, obviously they can't speak. So we have different applications on the iPad, or if they're not comfortable using the iPad, they have their own iPhones or Android, and there's many apps that they can um, communicate with. Like one of my favorites is text-to-speech, where they text mm -hmm. and then they hit a play button and it speaks for them. And it stores what they've typed. So if there's something they want to say over and over and over again, they just hit the, the phrase and then the play button and it speaks for them. Um, that works on fine motor coordination, cognition, to you know for sentencing or sentences, um, hitting the right play button, to say what they want to say, picking the right phrase. And that's a lot easier for some people than writing because writing, once the page is full, it's usually thrown away. So they have to write the same thing over and over again. Oh, yeah. And on one hand, that's okay. But with the, with the um, tablet or the phone, it's just much easier to type it out and hit play and it speaks for them. And a lot of people like that actual speaking and having that sound. Um, other things we have on the tablet are um, cognition apps that allow people to play games, to work on their brain function. A lot of them are called um, you know, brain teasers or IQ work or things like that where they can download them for free on their phone if they want to or use our tablet and work on cognition while they're just sitting there in the chair or laying there in the bed. You know, TV is great, but it's just on. There's no real interaction with the tablet. There's Again, fine motor, eye-hand coordination, cognition, and it helps them stay stimulated, which helps encourage patients to do more because they're not just laying there like a lump. And it's really helpful, we found. If you've been listening to this podcast, you're likely convinced that sedation and mobility practices in the ICU need to change. The ICU community is facing incredible difficulty with the trauma from the pandemic, staffing crisis, and burnout. We cannot afford to continue practices that result in poor patient outcomes, more time in the ICU, higher healthcare costs, and greater workload for the ICU team. Yet the prospect of changing decades of beliefs, practices, and culture across all disciplines of the ICU is a daunting task. How does this transformation start? It can begin with a consultation with me to discuss your team's current practices, barriers, and to formulate a plan to help your ICU become an awake and walking ICU. I help teams master the ABCDEF bundle through education, consulting, simulation training, and bedside support. Let's work together to move your team into the future of evidence-based ICU care. Click the link in the show notes of this episode to find out more. What have you seen, personally, what have you seen with um, <coughs> these critically ill patients that 
sometimes we don't expect them to be able to engage much, but what do you see over time by the time they leave? From the time, you know, certain patients get here to the time they leave, they've, we've seen such improvement, not just with, you know, the physical of, you know, walking or getting the vent taken out, just the cognition of not falling back, of not losing ground, of at least staying where they were and then increasing. And then when they leave, there's so much gratitude. Like, you know, I didn't just lay there. I was able to play a game on the tablet. I was able to talk with someone even though I had the, 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 the vent in. It was, it's, it's so much better for me and they're very grateful and usually pretty, hap pretty happy. And what does it mean for their long-term outcomes? So there are some studies out there that say that um, the more engaged a patient is while they're in the ICU, um, the less the um, long-term effects are, like the, the PTSD or um, you know, decline in cognition or decline in physicality. Um, by, having, by engaging them and doing all of the activities, PT, speech, OT, um, they're able to um, gain faster, advance faster, and get out faster. Yeah, that's so true. One of our, um, an ECMO survivor that was, awake and mobile, um, was given a occupational therapy <coughs> during his ICU stay. And he talked about how he thought it was just ridiculous that he, that they were trying to play dominoes with him. Mm -hmm. He just didn't understand why. And now he looks back because he didn't realize how long he was going to be there, what it was going to be like, how crazy it was going to make him to look at the same four walls. And so now he is so grateful. Um, and his experience just sounds so different than some of the other survivors that, I mean, they only had the back of their eyelids to look at, and that just turned into hallucinations and terrible experiences in PTSD. And your survivors get to remember those small victories and that mm -hmm. progress and actually working towards their own discharge home. Yeah, and they do remember that. They feel better for it. And it's, you know, our bodies are meant to move. We're supposed to do things. And when you're just laying there against your will, and not being able to do anything, it it's really takes a lot out of you. And even something as simple as playing Candy Crush for 10 minutes during therapy, um, or being able to keep the tablet and being able to do a brain game that's so stimulating and helpful that you know people you can, you don't see it on you know on a, such a small level, but as it gains and grows, and they're able to do more and more, and they come off of the vent, and they're able to do so much more. It's so so helpful. And what does it mean to you as an what does it mean to you as an occupational therapist to work in an environment and a culture that allows your patients to participate in occupational therapy throughout their ICU stay? Uh, it's so so nice. When I first started, um, when I did acute care in another state, another hospital, obviously, um, ICU evals were basically just do the eval and then do, if they were vented, just do range of motion. There wasn't a lot of stimulation. You just come in, move their arms so they don't get contractors in their arms. PT would do the legs. Sometimes we try to sit them up if they were a little more awake. <coughs> Excuse me. Going from there to here where, you know, we're fully engaged. We go in and we're just, we're in it with them and we're pushing and, even if they don't want to be pushed, then they know deep down that it's going to help. 
Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to tell them that, but it, it's, it's so helpful and they gain so much from that. It, the ICU stays are way shorter now than when I first started. They'd be there for such a long time because all we were doing was just the simple stuff. It wasn't until they were able to participate that we started doing things and it just it, it didn't work out so well because there wasn't a lot of engagement and people just kind of went downhill with depression and, and everything. It just it, it didn't work out well. So being here, it's so nice. Like when I first started coming down the ICU and I saw what was going on, I was thrilled. I'm like, this is great. This is what OT is about, getting people engaged, doing functional activities to get them to their maximal level. And you can only do that with people that are awake, that are have fairly clear brains, and are calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And what does that mean to you and the satisfaction of your career? So... Um, I, I did spinal cords for a long time before I, I came here and there was some satisfaction there, but here you see it so much more because the spinal cord injured patients, it was such long term mm -hmm. and a long time. And here you see people get better in just, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, a patient comes in and, you know, they're intubated and, you know, they're, they're a little confused, but you see them gain something you know, if it's not every day, it's every couple of days, and then the, 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 the intubation comes out, and they're able to communicate a little bit better, they can talk, and um, they, they actually say, you know, I really appreciate the, the tablet, or, you know, just brushing my hair, or, you know, trying to put a sock on, because that was something I did every day, mm -hmm. and as most people say, you don't realize what you had until you lost it, yeah. and so they get this sense of, oh, yeah, I really want to work so much harder now, and um, it's so nice to hear that from the patients themselves, just how appreciative they are. And that certainly makes us feel much better. Yeah. I, I forgot about that part. They, they have hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These uh, other survivors that wake up after weeks of deep sedation and immobility can't even lift a finger off the bed and they're demoralized. I mean, there's, there are studies that show just the sense of self is so lost when they realize how, where they are, what their life is like now, how far they have to go <coughs> to get anywhere close to where they were. But yeah, there's such a contrast because they've been working towards these goals the whole time. They haven't lost that much ground mm -hmm. and they get to move forward. Thank you so much for all your good work in preserving function. You bring such an important insight and expertise into our team and you help people go back to their lives and actually function. So Thank you, Meryl, for sharing your expertise and wisdom. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. If you want to join in on the conversation, leave a voicemail at 801-784-0472 or reach out to me on Twitter. Schedule a consultation for your ICU, as well as find supportive resources such as the free ebook, case studies, episode citations, and transcripts. Please check out the website www.daytoniceconsulting.com. <laughs>